Good morning. Welcome into the Eagle's Nest, coming to you live from the Bradley Basin studio on the campus of Auburn University at a brand new time with a brand new co-host for the first time. Please welcome my good friend, Griggs Blankenberg. Griggs, how are you doing today? Doing good, Daniel. How about yourself? Doing great, man. You know, we had a great time at the basketball game last night. Always fun to see an Auburn win. Always a good time in Auburn Arena. I wish we didn't have to humiliate my favorite coach as bad as we did. But, you know, it's still Georgia. So, as we say, to blank with Georgia, the blank pool of the South. <laughs> yes, sir. So, thank you for joining our show. We're very excited to have you. You're going to be a great addition to our staff here at Weagle. You're going to be a great addition to this show, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And I really appreciate you being willing to join. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Willing to get ready for this semester, just ready to talk sports with you and everyone else on every Thursday at 10 a.m. Absolutely, man. So, let's jump right into last night. Like, Walker Kessler had 15 points. Like, what a showing for him. Jabari had seven rebounds. Wendell with 11 assists. Just, that was a fun game. But I just want to get your take on it. What are some things that Auburn could have done better? Well, they started off really hot. I mean, we've seen spells this year where they've had a good first half or a good second half, and that kind of showed again last night. Um, they kind of had a cold second half where they were outscored 33-31. to 31. They didn't particularly shoot the three well, going 10 for 36. Um, not great at all. Uh, you had a few players who only made one out of like six or seven attempts. And the good thing I think you can take away is Auburn, they have a really deep bench. You know that as well. Really good depth, but they had six players last night scoring double digits, which were Jabari, KD, Walker, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and Wendell. So I think that's a really good thing to look at for coming into Saturday. Yeah, and one thing that really just kind of bugged me, and we saw this a little bit in the Ole Miss game, they tend to play down the competition at times. And then, like, last night it didn't really matter much since they had such a massive lead at the half. But they got outscored in the second half, I, th- I think. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they did get outscored okay. in the second half. But, yeah, they they sometimes play down in their competition. I mean, we've seen that. I mean, Georgia, they came out really hot, I thought. And they kind of just took it a little bit easier in the second half. But, yeah, when they played against at Ole Miss, that defense in the first half really kind of shut them down. And we took an eight-point um, deficit into the half. But they've been no- – they've – Every time this year they fought back, um, they've just shown they're one of the top teams in the nation. And, yeah, I think they'll continue to do that. So, last night, great, good game overall. Like, fun to watch. But you know what we got Saturday. I feel like every member of the Auburn family knows what is coming up this Saturday. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, Kentucky, number 12 team in the nation versus Auburn, the number two team or the number nine team, however you see it. Um, But, yeah, this is – Probably people have been saying it's the biggest game of the Bruce era in Auburn Arena. Um, what is your take on that? Do you agree with that? In Auburn Arena, definitely, for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, because this is the highest they've been ranked in his era. And I believe the year's like, I can't remember the exact year, the last time they were ranked number two. It was in the 90s. Yeah, I think it was like either 99, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. But definitely in Auburn Arena, I'm pretty sure what we all we all know what the biggest game was in the Bruce era. But... I'm excited to see it. I really think it'll be fun to watch. I I hope that we get the win. We're a how how much of a favorite are we? I, I don't think the spreads come out yet for that, but I'm assuming from uh on the BPI on ESPN it has Auburn as the favorite right now currently. Let me pull that up. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we weren't. But I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That atmosphere is going to be insane. Mhm. The one thing, I wish it was not a noon game because we were going to have to get out there very, very early. Yeah. yeah, the spread's not out yet. But ESPN's Basketball Power Index is giving us a 57.6% chance of winning. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing to note also is Auburn is uh, favored in every single game left this year, according to Ken Palm. And this is our closest, between this match and at Tennessee, is our closest margin of victory. So, yeah, it's going to be a great game. And speaking about the jungle last night, I mean, Doors opened at six uh six thirty, yeah. Yeah. We me and Daniel had to get in line around three and by like six fifteen, I'm pretty sure someone on Twitter said that it was down to Donahue. If you don't know where that is, it's past where near the village dining area in Auburn and almost 
basically past where like the the ROTC center is. So it's pretty impressive. That's insane. And I remember this one. I can't remember who it was, but I believe it was a reporter for the Auburn Opelika Times where she was comparing it to when she was a freshman here at Auburn in 2014 and how she was just able to walk in and see Anthony – or not Anthony Davis. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, Justin uh, Justin Ferguson, the Auburn Observer, said that um, his tweet last night um, – what did he say? He uh, It was a really good take, and I saw a lot of people was were like, it's crazy how far Bruce has taken this program. Uh, I've almost found it. Yes, there it is. He goes, when I was a freshman, I walked in right before tip-off and got a decent spot for the time Anthony Davis's Kentucky came to Auburn. This is more than three hours before a game against a 20-plus point favorite, and it shows a video of the line reaching from the student entrance of Auburn Arena past the village dining. So it's crazy. I mean, growing up, I didn't grow up an Auburn fan, but I always thought of Auburn as just like, okay, they're strictly a football school. But now that I'm getting more – I've come here, I'm like, wow, this is – really an everything school, but basketball has just taken such a leap and bound since I'd say a little bit maybe before 2019, definitely afterwards after the Final Four. But it's just this team is fun to watch, man, and really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, who do you think we should be looking out for in this Kentucky team? I know there are a lot of great basketball players, but who specifically do you think we should watch out for? Uh, specifically, I mean, you have to look at uh, – Try to pronounce his last name right, but it's uh, Oscar Tashibwe. He is definitely the number one player I think we got to watch out for. Uh, he's the nation's leading rebounder. I mean, these stats were before uh, last night's uh, game, win over A&M for them, but he's averaging 14.9 a game, 14.9 rebounds a game. That's leading the nation by, I think, about maybe a rebound or rebound and a half. This game, you cannot – Walker cannot get into foul trouble if he's going to have to guard him the entire game. I mean – he is a big, strong presence in there. I mean, and if we need to sub in Dylan some, just yeah, we just can't get into foul trouble like we've been known to this year so far. Also, I think you have to look out for Shavir Wheeler. I mean, his ball movement has been really good this year. He averages 7.3 assists a game, third in the nation. Kind of, you remember uh, Yuri Collins we played against uh, St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah, he's number three. Um, uh, Collins is number two in the nation assists. But here's the thing about it. When Wheeler has very bad, like not very low assist numbers, two of their three losses, Wheeler had one assist at LSU. That was a loss, and he had two at Notre Dame. So if you keep him, his ball move, movement to a minimum, that significantly increases your chances to win. Okay, so yeah, like you said, I agree. Walker can't get in foul trouble. Like he sometimes does. I feel like no fault of his own. It's just it's probably pretty hard to control that when you're seven one. But you know. This is a team that, you know, beat – they lost to LSU. Granted, it wasn't Baton Rouge, but still. And that's a team that in Auburn Arena, Auburn didn't really struggle with that until the very end. For most of that game, that Auburn had things very under control, leading them 18-1 to at one point in the game. So, you know, this is a Kentucky team that's beatable. And I heard one – I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but he was saying, like, man, like – Kentucky's Kentucky. Like, you just, they're always a team that's really good. And I agree with that, even though they have down years like everyone else. Like, last year is an example of that. They weren't terrific. But, you know, I'm more confident in this Auburn team every time they play. And why that might not, that might be setting myself up for some bad heartbreak in March. For now, like, it's not like that. Like, I really think this team's good. And I think that we're going to win on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's really special. I mean, you just have to just start. You can't really have – this is the team where you can't have a down half against. You can't have to, like, shoot your way out of this. You can't have, like, them come out how they did against Ole Miss where you get down really early and you get frustrated and get into foul trouble. Yeah, they can't come out slow, and they can't start slow in the second half. So what do you think the score will be for that game? <clears throat> This will come up in our picks later. I mean, but we're both going to pick Auburn. But I think it depends on how. I mean, Kentucky had their lowest scoring game of the year last night versus A and M with their defense. So uh, I'm going to go seventy Auburn seventy three. I'm going to go Kentucky sixty five sixty six sixty six. I don't think it's going to be a. I don't think either team, if whoever wins, is going to get out to more than a ten point lead at any point. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like 
that type of, type of game unless Kentucky just gets really flustered by the jungle, which hopefully that will happen a little bit and maybe prove me wrong. Yeah, I think that it'll be close all the way until the end. I don't, You know how a lot of times you see a game that's close the whole way, but then one team's down by about five or six with about a minute and a half left to play, and they have to start fouling and then free throws, and it gets lopsided. I don't think we're going to see that. I think this is going to be more like the Alabama game, except I don't think we're going to have like that big of a lead. I believe at one point in that game we were up 10. I th- believe so, yeah. I have to be double check, but I believe we are up more than ten at some point. Yeah, so I think it's definitely Auburn's to lose. I feel the same way about the SEC. This and is, I think, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you, but I believe maybe. this is definitely the game of the year in the SEC since Auburn does not go to Rupp Arena this year. This is this will Auburn is the only team now that A and M lost to Kentucky last night. The only undefeated team in conference play. Uh, Kentucky has one loss in conference, so. This is probably one of the ones that will decide the seeding when they go to Tampa in March. Yeah, I'm looking at this just now. I'm looking at Kentucky's last five and their column on ESPN. Georgia gave them one heck of a battle for a little while there. Yeah, they did 92-77 at Rupp Arena. I mean, we beat them by 23. They beat, hold on, they beat them by, I believe, what is that, 16? Yeah. Yeah. But then if you look what they did two games later, they absolutely yeah. drummed Tennessee. So Tennessee's one of the more interesting teams in the SEC this year, I think. They're so up and down. They've played some good games, but then they've sometimes just not come out at all. So Yeah, you never really know which team's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they still just regret letting go of Bruce Pearl. Eh, maybe a little bit now they're looking back on it. Yeah, but it should be exciting. I'm really, really looking forward to enjoying that game in Auburn Arena. If, if Auburn fans, if you have tickets to this game and you're not coming, please either bless someone by giving them away, give them the charity. Vet Ticks is a great one to get veterans tickets to games. Please do not have unused tickets. If you want to sell them and make a killing like everyone else is, that's cool. Please just do not sit on tickets. I don't think many people will. But I don't want to see a single empty seat in Auburn Arena on Saturday. Griggs, do you have any closing thoughts on this Kentucky game? You just got to come out strong. You have to come out, show, get the energy on your side early. And again, this is hard—the hard for this Auburn team a little bit. Not really their fault of their own, but you got to stay out of foul trouble. They have people who can shoot the free throw. You just can't. I mean, we don't really. The center depth is a little bit iffy if Walker starts to get into foul trouble. So you just have to stay out of the foul trouble, specifically Walker. Yeah, I agree strongly with that. So that is going to do it with Auburn basketball talk for now. On the other side of the break, we are going to recap the NFL wildcard round and preview the NFL divisional round. It's been a very exciting playoff so far. Looking forward to getting into that, and we will be right back. Once again, you're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. This is our first show in our brand new time slot of 10 a.m. on Thursdays. And more importantly and more excitingly, our first show with our brand new co-host, Glick. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry, Griggs. It's early. Griggs Blankenberg. Thanks again for joining us, Griggs. Looking very, very much. I cannot talk today. Really looking forward to having you on and... What are we going to talk about now? I think we should talk about the uh, NFL Divisional Round. I mean, this is a great slate of football this weekend. you got four great games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Um, yeah, first game, though, is on Saturday in, ten- in Tennessee, you have the Cincinnati Bengals going to the number one seed Tennessee Titans. That'll be 3.30 on CBS. Right now, Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel, I think the big story coming out of this one is, will Derrick Henry be back? They've been talking about it. He's been walking through practice and stuff. Reminder, he's not played since week eight. He's still finished in the top ten in rushing yards in the NFL, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, th- that's crazy. And, you know, this game is – I'm really interested in this one. Like, this is a toss-up, man. Like, because, you know, Tennessee's been great this year. They, 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 they beat the Chiefs pretty good. Um, they had some good wins like that, but then they would lose to the Texans at home. So, and I believe they lost someone else they really shouldn't have. So you just never know with this team what you're going to get. And I feel like, like you said, a big part of it is will Derrick Henry be back? Yeah, I mean, 
the offense for the Titans has been clicking recently. I mean, it's kind of weird we see, and we've been so used to the the Pats being the one seed the past couple a long while. The uh, you had the Chiefs the last couple of years. There might have been some other team I'm forgetting, but maybe the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. But yeah, I mean Tennessee is a one seed, an odd sight to see. It's just because, um, yeah, their offense has been picked up a lot since Ryan Tannehill is. Not enough people are talking about what Ryan Tannehill has done for this team. He went from a Dolphins team where he's playing mediocre to now leading this team to a uh, one seed in the ASC, the I believe the toughest conference in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, I mean, he's played really well this year. I mean, maybe his turnover numbers aren't that great, but he's got some supporting cast around him, specifically like A.J. Brown and people like that. Yeah. So, according to the Tennessee Titans injured reserve list, as of yesterday morning, Derrick Henry is still on the list. But, you know, that can change on the dime. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they've been taught. It's been, it's been the story for them all week and last week since they had the bye. Now the NFL has expanded to seven teams in the playoffs. The, only the one seed gets the bye. But, yeah, I mean, it's really – I mean, they would love to have him out there. Um, it says here on ESPN's injured list uh, he did contact practice on Tuesday, and he's just practicing throughout the week. They said they're probably going to decide on Friday if he's going to be able to go. So we'll have to just keep an eye on that one for the Titans. Okay. And, you know, a big story to kind of go along with that, if Derrick Henry does play for the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson's questionable. Larry Unganjobi, sorry, folks, is on injured reserve. And Josh Tupo's questionable. So these are some really big pieces of stopping the run game for Cincinnati. And if they don't have those and Derrick Henry plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Joby is not going to play. I mean, he just got put on injured reserve Monday. But, yeah, you're looking at a loss of a lot of – I don't know. I don't follow the Bengals that much. A lot of either depth or starters on the defensive line. Uh, Hendrickson dealing with a concussion, concussion. He's full participant in Wednesday, so it's most likely he's going to play. But, yeah, this – Cincinnati defense is going to have a lot of work cut out for them with or without Derrick Henry. So it's going to be an interesting game to watch. I'm excited. Hopefully the matchup with Kentucky will be over in time where we'll be able to figure out a way to watch this one. Yeah. Um, we'll be dog tired. Yeah, but, yeah, this matchup's still really good. It's kind of a toss-up. Cincinnati getting in one of the last couple of weeks. They won the, a- what is it, the AFC North. Uh, yes. Yeah, they won the North. But, yeah, it's going to be a uh, uh, great game to see. But also you have to look at um, – a point we have to look back on from the preseason is Jamar Chase is the real deal. He is. We, I, feel, I have a feeling that he was just joking around with everyone during, like, preseason stuff. I mean, Cincinnati fans are like, what in the world? We need offensive line help. And Panay Sewell, we just passed up on him. Everyone's saying he's a once-in-a-generation talent. But now you have Jamar Chase, who didn't really catch the ball well in the preseason, said he can't really see the ball in the NFL. But he's turning into their best receiver. He has 81 catches on the year, 1,400 yards, and 13 touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he can catch the ball now. Yeah, he can without without a doubt. And it's really it's kind of cool to see him reunited with Joe Burrow. Like they played really well together in 2019 at LSU, and they're playing really well together now. So I'm interested to see how that one goes. Moving along to Saturday night, the one seed in the NFC, Green Bay Packers, hosting the, are they the seventh seed or the sixth seed? I think they were six, right? Same uh, I think they were the fifth seed. Oh, goodness. I, I can't remember because they beat Dallas, who was the what, the four seed? Um, Something like that. Yeah. So Anyways, were, anyway, yeah. one seed versus five or six. San Fran doesn't really matter too much to be honest and you know Green Bay at home at night in Lambeau Field in the month of January is very hard to beat so I'm I if you're the 49ers how do you prepare for this because you're in Mm -hmm. sunny California I know it gets a little colder in San Francisco but I'm sure it still doesn't compare yeah, good thing it's not an NFC Championship game for the Packers because that would have been that's hard, true. That'd been harder for them since they've not really had the best success in that. But yeah, uh, you got to look back. Green Bay played them earlier this year in San Fran, beat them thirty to twenty eight. That was still when Jimmy G still wasn't all there yet. He's now picked up more as the season's gone on. Oh yeah, that was that game where that um, viral tweet, uh, "Too much time." Mm-hmm. You remember that? That was funny. 
But yeah, I mean, if it, you don't know what we're talking about, um, Green Bay got the ball back with 30 seconds left. They were down 28 to 27, and Aaron Rodgers drove him down the field goal range for Mason Crosby to put him away. Yeah. yeah, which was pretty cool, honestly. I, I like the Packers. They're if I had to rank my NFC teams, they're probably number two for me, just because I really like the history. I love Vince Lombardi, so yeah, I like seeing this team succeed. I love Aaron Rodgers; he's awesome. So when my Saints are not in it like this year, normally I root for the Packers. So eight zero at home, by the way, haven't lost a game at home. That's that's very. I did not know that. Well, but yeah, that's. That's quite the sad. I mean, it's going to be to the help advantage too because it's going to be twelve degrees at kickoff. Goodness. That is, that's kind of that's a little crisp, I would say. But yeah, it just kind of we'll see how the. It's interesting to see how these players and these um these, uh, West Coast teams how to respond to the cold sometimes. Whether they'll come out shirtless in pregame to show that they're not really affected by it, or yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how they respond to that and see if they have really any first quarter jitters that happens then they just got to kind of just warm up and uh, phys- uh, physically and mentally until they get into it I have a question for you to go along with this mm-hmm. if your dad came to you and Kent like let's just say the pa- the Packers were hosting the Panthers in the playoffs it was the NFC championship game kickoff was supposed to, it was supposed to be 12 degrees at kickoff your dad said hey we're leaving tomorrow we got tickets for this game what all are you packing? Like, how much? How many layers would you have on going to that? For you, for those who don't know, I'm from Charlotte, so big Panthers fan. So, I I have family up in Illinois, so I'd probably just pack a lot of the same stuff I have. Probably maybe a few more layers, but a lot of hand warmers. I know. I remember a few years ago when uh, Caroline played at Lambeau, it was snowing pretty decently. I mean, the Panthers historically have not really played in that many snow games, but. Yeah, I just pack a lot of layers, man. I mean, but if it's the NFC Championship game, that makes me smile a little bit more just because of <laughs> you have Aaron Rodgers and you've only been to one Super Bowl and you've won one. I mean, that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, that's it is weird to think that he hasn't had the most success in the later rounds of the playoffs, but maybe this is the year for him. Moving on into the Sunday side of things at 2 p.m. Central Time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a team I'm really not fond of, hosting the L.A. Rams. Man, I Tampa Bay is going to be tough to beat. Seven and one at home. However, L.A. is solid on the road, being seven and two. Um, you know, Matt Stafford finally got his first playoff win. I believe he had some sort of NFL record for the most passing yards with the fewest playoff wins. And yeah, I believe that. That's shattered now because he finally got one, which I love for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now it's Andy Dalton. I don't think that's really going to be broken anytime soon. No, no, probably sorry, not. Sorry to the Bears fans of my family. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, both teams come in after facing really next-to-no challenge in the wild card round. I mean, the Bucks blew past the Eagles until, like, the last, like, two minutes where Philly scored, like, ten points. And then the Rams never really gave Kyler Murray and the Cardinals a chance. But, yeah, again, the Rams also played – the Rams beat the Bucks this year, 34-24. to on September 26th, but it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady putting up 5,000 plus passing yards in year, I believe, 22. That's crazy. That's that's insane. I mean, if you insane. were born Tom Brady's rookie year, you're graduating college in May. Like that. That's just nuts to think about. That's crazy. I mean, I saw him play this year in person in Carolina, but they're legit. I mean, they don't have Antonio Brown anymore. I don't know if you see that as a positive or a negative with their positive <laughs> with their wide receiver depth they have right now with Godwin still not being played and Fournette being questionable who's playoff Lenny who played really well last year, but it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Rams defense will definitely challenge the Bucks number 1 pass offense. So playing against Tom Brady in the playoffs is the least favorite thing I've ever had to experience. Granted, I'm so glad it was only one time for me. At least you didn't but... have to do it in a Super Bowl like 2004. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been rough. But um, that's just that one game where, you know, as good as he's playing, he's still a shell of him former, his former self. Like, it's impossible to be what you were, you know, 10 years ago now, which is understandable. But he's still playing lights-out football. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're seeking to be the first team to go back-to-back since when? When was that? When was the last team? Patriot. He probably was. It was probably, probably him. him. Probably him. Oh, three and four, I think. 
Eagles and Panthers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so he's definitely – I mean, you, I know you're a Pats fan, but – or eh, Supporter. Supporter of the Pats. But, like, yeah, he's without question the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think you can make a valid argument for anyone else really now. He's got yeah. seven Super Bowl rings. He's been – they showed a stat on some of the stuff. More wild card – more playoff appearances than – more playoff wins than all the other quarterbacks in the – playoffs combined yeah. right now. So that's insane. So real quick, to close it out, at 5.30 Central Time Sunday night, Kansas City Chiefs hosting Buffalo Bills, a rematch of last year. You know, this is this is very intriguing. ESPN's FPI is giving a slight advantage to the Bills. However, the Bills are a two-point underdog. I mean, yeah, I mean, people see these two teams, they think, okay, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, that equals points, points, points. But you have to, uh, the Chiefs' defense – has stepped up dramatically this year than the past years where they even won the Super Bowl. But this will be an interesting game. I think both quarterbacks are going to play pretty well. It's going to be interesting to see how – I think the key for Kansas City is can they run the ball at all if Patrick Mahomes is not, like, really feeling it that much. I mean, that's rare, but you got that front of the Buffalo Bills who've been really good stopping the run this year. Yeah, and that's that's the story of the game and the quarterback contest as well. Do you have any closing thoughts on the divisional round? I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good week of football. We have all, like, one, one, four matchups except for one, one uh, two, three matchups. But I think it's going to be a good weekend of football. And I think if you take this momentum into the divisional round next weekend, I mean, depending on who's at home, I think that's going to make a difference too. Yeah, I agree. Well, once again, you're listening to the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. One of Weagle's premier sports shows, I can proudly declare that. You know, once again, this has been the divisional round talk. When we come back, we have NBA and NHL talk, two things I love very much. This is Daniel and Griggs. Don't go anywhere. Uh, welcome back to the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Uh, let's get into the NBA, and Daniel, you know I have to bring this up first. I'm ready. My Charlotte Hornets last night defeated your Boston Celtics. What was the final score of that? That final score was Celtics 102, the Hornets 111, with LaMelo Ball going 15, 10, and 10 for his triple double, another triple-double for him. You know, it, I kind of we were at the Auburn game during it, but I was looking back at like the stats and stuff later, and honestly, it seemed like a fun one to watch, even though my team was not able to prevail. Excuse me. It seemed like a pretty good game up until the end there. Um, did a shooter at 24 points. I like seeing that out of him. I like seeing our guys score. And, you know, it's just you can't win them all. You know, how many rings do y'all got? I'm kidding. I'm mm-hmm. kidding. Um, I'm not one of those fans. I'm not a ring tapper. You're not like a lot of other Boston fans. No, because <laughs> I'm more of like, okay, we haven't won one since 2008. I mean, I'm just wanting to win a playoff series since the Bobcat, the Hornets went away and the Bobcats came in. We've not won a playoff series. It's really? Crazy to think about. But I think this is going to – I mean, I don't want to speak too early, but I think this is the year if they can figure out some pieces. I mean, speaking of pieces, Miles Bridges – I think he's making a very big case for most improved player of the year. 22 points last night, seven rebounds, two assists. He's been the Hornets' like leading scorer this year, which is kind of crazy to think when they have LaMelo Ball. I mean, he's uh, Miles is averaging 20 a game, which is nuts. Yeah, that that's crazy. And I love Miles Bridges. You know, if I had to pick another team in the NBA, it'd be the Hornets because I love Charlotte. I love you. Um, I just I have a lot of fun watching them. I love LaMelo. And, you know, they're just fun to watch. And I'm looking forward to going to my first Hornets game with you in about a month. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a lot of fun at that. And actually less than a month, probably like three weeks. Wow. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing Miles Bridges, who's becoming one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. I don't like Tatum as much anymore. <laughs> He's just kind of annoying me the past couple weeks. But, you know... That's that's mm-hmm. a good team. I feel like they're up next. I really do. Let's talk about other teams though. Okay. The Lakers. They're under 500. They're 22 and 23, 13 games back of the one seed of the Suns. And now you have Frank Vogel, the coach of the um the co- uh Frank Vogel's the coach of the uh yeah, he's the coach of the 
The Lakers, yeah. He's talking about he's gotten the green light to bench Russell Westbrook. Can you imagine saying this like maybe two or three years ago? When I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, this was the man who leads the NBA all time in triple doubles, and now he's talking about being benched on a team that's under 500. I remember in 2016, 2017 with OKC when he was averaging a triple double. Like, that's just nuts to think about. And now here we are a few years later, and there's talk of him being benched, man. Like, that's nuts. This this lineup, I was skeptical of this lineup beginning. They have you have so you have three superstars. You can say you got LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis, and you have Russell Westbrook. And there's only one basketball. These are guys who've known when the, whether it was LeBron in Miami or Cleveland or the Lakers for the first couple parts without AD. You have AD with the Pelicans, and then you have Russ with the um, OKC, the Rockets, and some of the Wizards. I mean, those are two guys who like big clutch moments. These are the guys getting the ball, each, all three of them. Now, I mean, I, you know it's LeBron's going to have to take the last shot, but these are three guys who not, are not known to having to play down. They're like, okay, we don't have to be on it every night with LeBron. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of creating a bad culture a little bit of just being able to mentally know that you can slack off for a night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I'm not taking anything away from them. I know it's very hard to be a professional athlete uh, in any sport, especially in the NBA, playing against the best basketball players in the world night in, night out. However, there's still like a mental thing there. I think that you can't do that. You can't just be like, ah, we'll just phone it in the night. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not, that's not something that you can rely on long term. I mean, they're struggling right now, man. I mean, they're under five they they're They're in the play-in tournament right now, which the play-in tournament was in the middle of last year. Top six uh, teams in each conference go into the playoffs automatically. And then the seven through ten seeds all go into the playing tournament. Seven plays eight. Winner of that automatically goes. What's they, your opinion on that? Coming from someone whose team last year was in the playing tournament, eh. I don't like it that much. I understand why they do it. It means more money. I don't. I know it's guaranteed through this year. They're going to revisit after this year. I think it's interesting. It gives more these playing games a lot of meaning. Because you have two teams that in other years wouldn't have made the playoffs at all, now battling for a spot to make it, I think that's really cool. But it, I just, it's just a lot. It's more game. I mean, this is the segment NBA, NHL. These two teams, these two leagues have the longest postseason out of all the sports. It feels. Like. I mean, it starts in like what April and goes all the way to like June. Right. It's it's a long time, and you know I'm glad that you brought that up. Wow, you ready to switch over to NHL? Let's do it. So. I am a huge supporter of the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. R- tell everyone who your team is. Uh, I'm a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks, the team that's won three won three rings in six years. Oh yeah, um, you remember the two and seventeen, Daniel? At, at what cost? You remember the two and seventeen? At what cost? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, two and seventeen. <laughs> that's funny. But you know, like I just said, we're not ring tappers on this show. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Forgot yeah. About, sorry about that. No, you're fine. It's okay. <laughs> if I had three in six years, I'd be bragging them too. It's a great time. You know, we take on the Washington Capitals tonight, my Bruins. That is, you know, it's always fun to play Alex Ovechkin, who, much like Tom Brady, even though he's old and then the twilight of his career, is playing great hockey. I mean, yeah. I mean, his contract now with the Washington Capitals has it where if he averages his amount of goals per game or average goals per season. He's going to pass Gretzky, which is crazy to think about. I mean, even coming into this year, people were like, does he really? Because he's only going to either A, come back to the Capitals, or B, go play in Russia, which is yeah, which is crazy. Thing. I mean, he's still performing. I forgot how old he is, but yeah. Um, my Blackhawks, when is their next game? Let's see. Alex Ovechkin is 36. It is his... Let's see, 17th season in the NHL. That That's nuts. That's crazy. Um, next game for the Blackhawks, they take on the Wild in Chicago. Um, the Wild have been playing pretty well this year, 47 points, 22-10-3. I mean, Blackhawks had a really, really awful start. I'm not one to admit, say they didn't. Uh, we fired our GM. We fired oh, for other separate reasons, too. But we fired our coach. Um, I'm a big fan of King, the interim head coach. I think he's performed really well under the circumstances he's been put in. I mean, you got Mark andre Fleury. He's been playing pretty well this year. I mean, 
especially in the last couple of games, he stepped up. And I just like watching this team. They're they have a lot of they have a lot of young pieces that all along with a lot of veterans, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tate, who've won in the league. Also Marc Andre Fleury, who you've know a little bit about playing against Pittsburgh a lot. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean I got really into hockey starting like twenty twenty when they did the tournaments, uh the playoffs up in uh Canada. So yeah. it's really been fun to watch these teams. I feel like a lot of people who are just kind of casual with the NHL really got into it then because, you know, you didn't have a plethora of sports to watch around that mm-hmm. time. That was the – like from March when everything got shut down to about that point, like that was horrible as a sports mm-hmm. fan. Moving on, let's talk about this. The Edmonton Oilers currently – on my notes, let me check this. Yes, they are really struggling. They are – um, they're out of the wild card. They're not in the wild card right now, which is crazy to think about. They have two of the top players in the entire National Hockey League. Right, like the second place and third place guy in points with 54 and 53, respectfully. Respectfully. Yeah. That's yeah, nuts. Got Connor McDavid, who's people are saying he's literally the future. He will be one of the great ones. And then you have Leon Dreisaitl, who's night in and night out, I believe, one of the most consistent players in hockey. Averaging whether it be goals or assists, he gets points – no matter what, I mean, you think with a team with that those two players, they can get some form of success. I mean, they lost. I remember they lost to the Blackhawks in the play-in tournament in 2020 in Edmonton, which is nuts to think about, even though there was no fans. But I don't McDavid. I believe I don't know if he's going to stay around for the long haul or not. Since we can go into this more in a later show, but hockey players don't get paid that much at all. No, it is. Create, compared to like the, all the other four leagues we talked about, NFL, NBA, and we didn't really talk about MLB, they're not in season. They get paid the least. It's, I mean, the, the lowest viewership of all those, but it's still insane. I feel like it's that's going to pick up, though. I, I don't see it like them p- catching up anytime soon, but being on ESPN, being more marketable, them being more games on, more people are going to get in hockey, which cause ticket sales to go up, cause merchandise sales to go up. So eventually, I, I feel like that'll fix itself relatively soon. Like maybe we'll, we'll see it going on the right track in about five years, I feel like. Real quick before we go to break, the um, another thing I've really been shocked with is the um, New York Islanders. I have a friend who's a big New York Islanders fan. He was on my uh, baseball team last year. Went to a couple of Islanders watch parties when they were playing Tampa in the um, Western Conference Finals, but... 14 points back of the wild card spot for a team that made the Eastern Confer- the Western Conference Final last year. Yeah, and it's funny. Like I got to see this team play in person last year. I went to round two, game one, mm-hmm. when they were in Boston with my dad, and that's probably my favorite sporting event I've ever been to. Like I've thought long and hard about mm-hmm. that because, you know, there's some good ones. That Penn State whiteout this year, despite that the was, loss, was still sick. Quite, um, I, a little bit different for you. I drove, which was a little yeah. bit. Yeah, sorry, I, the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals. Apologies for no, that. No, you're all good. But it happens a lot this early in the morning. Yeah. But NHL has been great. I think it's going to be really good postseason. I've liked being able to watch all the games this year that I can with ESPN+. It's awesome. It really is awesome. Where There's you, hockey on every single night. Yeah, it's just this league, the future has hockey with the ESPN, people being able to watch it more. I think just more primetime games on, like, the main channels. Of, I think TNT's done an absolute fantastic job with their pregame and postgame and intermission stuff with, like, Wayne Gretzky and uh, Biz Nasty. But, yeah. Yeah, like, every game this weekend that I'm seeing, with the exception of one on Sunday and two on Saturday, is on ESPN+. Plus. So, if it were for a subscription that more and more sports fans are getting because they realize how good it is, you have access to all this hockey. If you have Hulu, you can watch the Bruins tonight. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk. Uh, I don't think we have any of the uh, hockey picks coming up, but we'll get into more of that next week probably. Yeah. So with that, we are going to go to another break. On the other side, we are going to do our pick'em segment. Griggs will explain more how we're going to score it when we come back. But once again, you're listening to the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg on Weagle 91.1 FM, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. 
first show in a brand new time slot with a brand new co-host, my good friend Griggs Blankenberg. Griggs, in the last segment, we broke down what's been going on recently in the NBA and in the NHL. Tell us what we're doing now. This will be our, one of our new segments here at the end of each show. We're going to, me and Daniel will be doing a uh, pick-ems for the week. We'll be do, picking certain games from all different stuff, including college basketball. It's going to be a semester-long competition. We're going to keep score of it, uh, just outright favorites, just pick who you think is going to win. And we'll come up with a, who, what the winner gets at the on the next show. But, yeah, we're going to start it off here with the first pick of the weekend. We're going to go Cincinnati at the Tennessee Titans Saturday at 3.30. And Tennessee with is right now a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel, who you got? I got Cincy. You got Cincinnati. Any reason why? I just don't know how good the Titans really are. Like, I hate to say that because I have a lot of good friends who are Titans fans, but, you know, especially with the injuries and the inconsistency that Tennessee's had on defense, I just, I'm just envisioning Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase picking them apart. Yeah, I got Cincinnati too. Might be just a recency bias since I watched them last week, but I think Joe Burrow's cooking right now he's firing on all cylinders Jamar Chase playing really well I think the defense is stepping up too I mean you have players like uh, Jesse Bates who are making some pretty big impact plays over there but yeah um, so yeah we both have Cincy on this one next one uh, the pa- the 49ers travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers Saturday at 7 15 Green Bay is a six-point favorite Daniel who you got it's Green Bay at Lambeau Field in the divisional round in January when it is 12 degrees. No, I said divisional round. Give me the pack. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Packers, too. I think they've been firing. They've been doing a lot of stuff well recently. They've, besides, they, I mean, they lost their last game to the Lions, but I don't think they really wanted to try and get hurt that much. But, yeah, I got the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is just going to continue what he's done all year. Devontae Adams is going to catch some big touchdowns and if they run the ball pretty well I think even with or without if the 49ers have Nick Bose I think they're in a good position to win yeah um it's just the Packers are a crazy it's just a spectacle them at Lambeau Field mm-hmm. and it's so hard to win there I just I've got to go with them like I said but I do think it'll be close mm-hmm. all right uh, our third game uh, from this weekend will be Sunday at two the I almost said St. Louis Rams. The Los Angeles Rams travel to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As of right now, the Buccaneers are a three-point favorite. Daniel, what you got? You know, I have learned to never underestimate Tom Brady and his teams in the playoffs, despite him aging. He still had a great year this year. That team still looks very good. At home, I'm going to go with the Bucs. I have not learned that, which is why I'm taking the Rams. Uh, I just think with Tampa's right now really not really inability to run the football really well right now, even without Leonard Fournette and the Rams' ability with, like, Jalen Ramsey to stop the pass. And they don't really have that much depth of receiver right now, so Jalen will most likely be on Mike Evans. I think that's going to cause some problems for them, and the Rams are going to pull off the upset, and they will defeat Tampa Bay and um, Tampa. And the last game from the NFL we're going to pick, you have the Buffalo Bills traveling to the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday at 530. Currently, Kansas City is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel, who you got? You know, the Bills got their hearts torn out last year on that field. And, you know, that's just something you don't forget. A lot of those players are still there. I'm remembering that picture of Stephon Diggs, Mm -hmm. even though – I enjoyed watching Stephon Diggs suffer for what he did to me in 2018. But I just – I think that they're not going to forget that. I think that they're going to come in, and I definitely think that the Bills will cover. Yeah, the Bills to win? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has only lost at home once, I believe, in the playoffs since he's been a starter, and that was to uh, – Tom Brady, when they ended up winning the Super Bowl versus um, – who did they win? Oh, wait, no. Did they lose to Philly that year? Yeah. 20, yeah. But they lost to Philly that year. So, I got I got the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to find uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, 
uh, if uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire can run the football well, then I think that'll be a good thing. And and the Chiefs' defense has been playing really well. Just if they can't pass the ball early, they got to figure out how they're going to run it. And but I got the Chiefs. All right. First now, uh, we're going to go to some other picks we have. Um, let's start off Friday night at 8 p.m. Michigan State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been a team that's pretty hot recently. So Daniel, who you got? You know. I'm not exactly – it's very hard to pick this. You know, two teams who are both playing good, ba- very good basketball right now. The eighth team, Wisconsin Badgers at home. You know, the Big Ten – I love basketball in the Big Ten. You know, I love Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the up. I think that in a few years they'll get there. But for now, Wisconsin looks good. I think, I think the Big Ten is definitely theirs to lose this year. So, on my birthday, I think that Wisconsin will catch a win. I'm going with the Badgers. I'm also going to go with the Badgers. I mean, right now, if I had to pick a national player, the wooden player of the year in the NBA, uh, NCAA, I'd probably pick Johnny Davis. I'd want to pick Jabari Smith, but I Johnny Davis has been incredible for the Badgers, averaging 22 in a, 22.1 a game. He leads Wisconsin in all three major categories of points, rebounds, and assists. It's in the Kohl Center, which is – it can get pretty loud in there. And Wisconsin people – Wisconsin Badgers fans love their Badgers so much. So, and I think Michigan State's been on a little bit of a down spell this year, even though they are ranked 14th. They've lost some games they shouldn't have. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Badgers. So moving on, also Friday night at 7 p.m., the Chicago Bulls are traveling one hour north on I, I don't know, interstate, mm-hmm. against the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, this is a tough one. Two good basketball teams. Yeah, you got the Bulls as the one seed in the East right now, which is crazy to think about all this stuff they've gone through recently, rebuilding all this stuff. Um, What's really hard for me to depict right now is the Bulls right currently have Zach, Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball out for this game. Milwaukee's healthy. I mean, I remember when I went to watch the Bucks play in Charlotte earlier this year, they didn't really have really anyone. Uh, Ball's got a meniscus tear, so I'm assuming he's not going to play. And Levine will not play either on the road trip. So I'm going to go with the Bucks here just because Giannis Antetokounmpo gets, does whatever he wants on that court. He scores. He can shoot. But it's a scary thing to watch him shoot. So yeah, I got the Bucks at home. Yeah, I I second that. You know, it being a home game, two of the Bulls' better players are out on the road in a tough environment. Give me the Bucks. All right, moving on to let's do some SEC basketball real quick before our final or before our final two picks. The LSU Tigers travel to the Tennessee Volunteers. They will be playing in Knoxville on Saturday at five p.m. Both teams coming off a little bit of a rough stretch these past couple games with LSU losing last night to Alabama and Tennessee getting the doors blown off against Kentucky. Daniel, who you got? You know, I'm a big fan, or not a big fan, I'm a big believer in home court advantage. However, I'm going to stray from that real quick. I think that Will Wade and LSU bounce back after a disappointing game in Tuscaloosa last night. Where they missed a buzzer beater. I don't know if you went and like watched the highlights, but man, it was nuts. You know, I feel bad for all the people that went to Arby's and used their seven dollars there instead of <laughs> buying a ticket to that game. But you know, I just I think that LSU is going to be mad. I think they're embarrassed, and I think they're going to win. Yeah, I also have LSU. I mean, Tennessee started out this year super high. We thought they were going to be one of the contenders in the SEC, and they may very much still be. But Arkansas, uh, LSU coming off a two-game losing streak into this game, lost to Arkansas, who's been probably the disappointment of the year in the SEC so far up to this point, and losing at Alabama, who was, who that broke their third three-game losing streak. But the Vols, I mean, they barely beat Vanderbilt. They beat them by eight points in Vandy. They, again, got the doors blown off them by Kentucky. And they already lost to at, at LSU this year. So, yeah, give me Will Wade and the Tigers. Moving on, also Saturday night at 7 p.m., a team that you are very fond of, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, hosting a team 
that is a little down on its luck, but they're trending back in the right direction, I feel like, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah, this is an interesting pick for me because you think, from the, I'm from again, from Charlotte, you think state of North Carolina, you think North Carolina basketball. Um, or Dukey. Or Duke, but Wake Forest is coming off a decent stretch in, in the play right now. They beat Georgia Tech last night. They beat Virginia at Virginia, which is something Wake has not done in a long time, I believe. But Chapel Hill, this is Chapel Hill versus the four teams they've ran, uh, played that are currently in the tournament right now. They've lost those games by an average of twenty points, which is crazy. And Yikes! I think this is a make or break game for Wake. They're currently, I believe, in the last four in. It may sound like a little bit of a homer, but give me the Demon Deacons. Uh, Alonis Williams has been playing insane basketball for the Demon Deacons. I think he's going to be able to shoot the ball well. I think Wake will be able to contain Armando Baycott. And, yeah, give me the Deacons. Okay, fair enough. You know, this is hard for me. Like, it's very close. A spread has not been established yet. However, ESPN's Basketball Power Index is giving a nod to Wake Forest, giving them a 56.3% chance of winning. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. I This is tough to pick. However... I think that North Carolina is going to travel well, and I think they're, they're going to get it done. All right, final game, the one we've already talked about, so we don't have to take too much time on it. The number 12-ranked um, Kentucky Wildcats face the number two, number one, some people's mind, Auburn Tigers, Saturday at 12 in Auburn Arena, CBS. Daniel, who you got? Auburn. I have Auburn as well, and I think that will be a great game. And that'll wrap up the first edition of the co-hosting of the Eagles Nest. Yes, Griggs, thank you so much for coming on. We had a great first episode. We enjoyed breaking down all the sports action. You know, I'm really looking forward to next week, man. Thanks for coming on again. Will do. All right, everyone, you have a great weekend. And once again, this has been Daniel Locke and Griggs Blackenberg on the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch it. Just search the Eagles Nest anywhere you get your podcast. It'll be up shortly after we get out of here in a few minutes. Thanks again, and hope you have a great day and a great weekend. War Eagle. Some rats